All right. Well, thank you and glad to be here this morning. I appreciate your staff. I've known a number of them for, well, for a while now, and that I would be invited to fill the pulpit. It's just an honor. This morning's message is found in Matthew chapter 14, and it's one of those passages that is well-known and much beloved, at least the stories that are found there, two of them. First of all, there's the feeding of the 5,000. You've heard that story, right? And then there is the walking on water when Jesus walks on the water. Two incredible stories. Uh, the first, the feeding of the 5,000. You remember how it happened. The Bible tells us that Jesus on that day was looking for an opportunity to get alone, to have some R&R, so to speak. But the crowds followed him. They found him and and as they came, he taught them, he healed them of their sick and, uh, sickness, and he taught them. And according to the record, he taught them until it was past lunchtime. And, and there's the clock, and I'll be through before lunch, I'm pretty sure. But he, he preached, and he preached a long time, so much that the disciples came to him, and they recommended that he would send the crowd away so that they could go and get themselves something to eat, you know, go back into town and that sort of thing. And please hear me. It's not like today with all of these fast food restaurants. It was a deal to get something to eat, but they were there. Apparently, they weren't anticipating the, the length of the sermon. It's, it's been happening since even Jesus' day. <laughs> they thought they'd be through by lunch. Anyway, they were there, and they were all hungry and in need of something to eat. And uh, according to the record, there were 5,000 men plus their wives and children. According to some commentaries, maybe as many as 10,000, maybe even 15,000 people there that day. But forget the wives and children. Just, just think about the 5,000 men. What if right now there descended on this campus 5,000 hungry men? And all of a sudden, it was the responsibility of this group to feed them. Now, we've got within shouting distance, practically, those who are ready to come to that kind of call. We need some help. We need some food. And people say, just call us. We'll deliver. And here they come. But how long would it take and what would it take for us together right here? In, didn't know about it ahead of time. We weren't planning it. But in the moment, now it's our responsibility to feed 5,000. What would that take? Well, see, that's kind of what we need to be thinking as we look at that story. Because the Bible tells us the disciples said, you need to send them away so that they can get something to eat. And Jesus responded to that, that uh, decision, that advice, by saying, you don't need to send them away. You feed them. You f I want you to hear that. You feed them. Now, you understand that when Jesus said that we're talking about before his death, burial, resurrection, before the coming of the Holy Spirit... But I believe that Jesus in that moment was teaching them. He was giving them a little heads up about what to expect in the days ahead. And, and he did it by giving them an assignment. Is everybody listening? That was beyond their ability. He was saying to them, I'm charging you with this assignment. You feed them. Well, that's a tall order. And I really want you to feel this. What, what Jesus was asking them to do, especially in that day and time, and again, forget the wives and children, and children can be picky eaters, you understand, but they've got 10, 15,000 people there, hungry, and he says, you feed them. He just gave them an assignment that is 
clearly impossible. Right? Guys, have you ever heard someone say that living the Christian life is difficult? It really is. I'm trying, but it's difficult. That's not true. The Christian life is not difficult. It's impossible. If it depends upon you, if it depends upon your ability to do it, it's impossible. Did everybody hear that? Because that's what's happening in this miracle. It's what what happened that day. Jesus is setting them up and he's telling them ahead of time, this is the kind of life you're going to enter into. You're going to be called into that which is beyond your ability, that which you cannot produce. You cannot. And you need to know that up front. You feed them. Impossible. Can't do it. There's no way. Got that? Impossible. The Bible tells us that after the miracle took place and the people were fed and they were all satisfied, they ate all that they wanted, and then there was more left over, 12 baskets full. God did an incredible kind of thing there. We'll talk about some more in just a moment. But after that, Jesus gave his disciples the instruction to get in the boat and cross the the sea to meet him on the other side. It was a time to take a break. And so he sends them along. And you remember what happened. The the Bible tells us that while they were on their way, doing exactly what they'd been told to do, operating in the plan and purpose of their master teacher, they found themselves in a storm. Now, these are fishermen. They they know how it can get there on the Sea of Galilee. They've dealt with bad weather. But they're straining, the Bible tells us, they're straining to get to where they're trying to go. And the wind is contrary to them, and, and, and it's kind of gale-force winds, and they just, they're not making any headway. They're not getting anywhere. And, and, and the Bible tells us it's, it's at that moment that Jesus comes walking on the water. Impossible. When they saw him, they thought he was a ghost. There's no explanation for what we see except this is something mysterious, supernatural. It's beyond anything that can be explained in terms of mere human ability, impossible, what's happening. Who is it? What is it? It's a ghost. Everybody with me? Who who was Jesus? Who is Jesus? Well, many will instantly answer, well, he's God. That's why he walked. He was walking the water because he's God and God can do anything. Yeah, yes, yes, you're right, but no, that's not, that's not the answer. Because please understand that when Jesus appeared to them there on the Sea of Galilee, in fact, when he was conceived in his mother's womb, at that moment, God, the creator, who can do the impossible, did something that we say there's no way. But he did it. You know what he did? The one who is the creator became a creature. Jesus is God. The one who was in the beginning with God. The one who was God, always has been God, always will be God. The creator of all that is. The one who is from everlasting to everlasting. He is God. Become human. Now I really want you to think about that. He's not half God and half human. He's 100% God and he's 100% human. Explain that. I can't. But he's God. And with God, nothing 
is impossible. You're telling me the creator can become a creature? He can. Possible to him, for with him nothing is impossible. Do you understand? Jesus was not God pretending to be a man. He was not God wearing a human costume. He was fully authentic man. And by the way, today Jesus is fully authentic man. You want to talk about that? We will. After the service, I have time to deal with all of it. Let me just give you two verses real quick. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the Bible tells us that the head of the woman is the husband, and the head of the husband is Christ, and God is the head of Christ. What? I thought he was God. He is God. But he who is God is God become man, and he still is the man. Give you one more verse. First Timothy, there the Bible says there is one mediator. There is present tense reality in this moment, in this day, there is one mediator between God and man. One. And that one mediator who is now in this moment, the one mediator between God and man is the man, Christ Jesus. Did you know that one of us rules the universe? Get hold of that. We have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but Jesus is always tempted just like us. He's one of us, guys. This is the miracle. God so loved us that he, who is God, became one of us. People question the love of God and the faithfulness of God and the commitment of God. Friend, he's all in. I mean, he's all in. Paul says if God would do that, if he would give himself like that, that he would give his son to have him die on a cross. If that's the way it is, well, there's nothing God won't do for us. How many of you know that our God is not a reluctant God? To hear somebody, oftentimes for me to hear somebody pray, I think, well, you must believe he's a reluctant God. You've got to talk him into something. He's not reluctant. Never has been. He's all in. Can't be more in. He became one of us. And you understand he had to. I say he had to by his own declaration. When God first created man, he created man in his own image. Y'all know this? Created man in his own image and gave man complete dominion. You know what that means? He says, you're in charge, buddy. And the one who is in charge chose to walk out on the one who's the source. Adam, by his sin, by his disobedience, sin into the world and death by sin. For all have sinned in Adam. We're all a part of it. What he did took us all with him. Does that make sense? Who did that? A man. Well, if man got us into this mess, I need a man to get us out. And you understand, that means I've got to have a man who will obey God all the way to death and never, never, never operate in disobedience. I need a perfect man. Bible says that God looks throughout the whole earth looking for one heart that's per perfect toward him, can't find anyone, and God says, I'll be that man. God became one of us. The, the one who would die. God can't die. Y'all do know God can't die. Well, who was Jesus? He was God. Become a man. The man who would die. Are y'all hearing this? It's incredible. Jesus is walking on the water that night, not as God, but as man living dependent on his father. 
That's who Jesus was. He was a true man. He was an authentic man. And we, we tend to think this. I hear this kind of thing. Jesus came to set an example for us to follow his example. Excuse me. WWJD, do what Jesus would do. Excuse me? Do what Jesus would do. Well, Jesus just lived a perfect life. Just perfect, that's all. Tipped it in always like you and I, but without sin. Anybody? What do you mean do as Jesus would do? He's the perfect man. He never, never operated in doubt or fear or unbelief. Never, not ever. The perfect man. The life he lived qualified him for the death he died, the perfect sacrifice. Oh, and by the way, the, the life he lived which qualified him for the death he died qualifies you for the life he lived. You know how that works? I'll tell you. When Jesus was walking the earth and when Jesus was walking on that water, if you could interview him in the moment, they would say, how do you do this? Man, you, you must be God. He, he would say, the Son of Man can do nothing of himself. What does that mean? I'm a man like you. And apart from God, I can't do anything. Everybody hear that? I really want you to hear that. He said, I'm a man. I am God, yes, but God become man. And I'm operating as if only a man. Though God I am, God I've always been, God I'll always be. I am the great I am. But you see a man standing before you, and a man... Operating the way God designed a man to operate is a man who lives from God. With God as his source. It's always been the truth. I, I don't have a good illustration. It's best I got. You know what a power saw is, don't you? Everybody know what a power saw is? What, what's absolutely essential for a power saw? To be a power saw. According to its design. Power. If you have no power, it's not a power saw. You can call it a power saw, but it's not. It'll never be a power saw unless it's connected to the power and unless it operates according to the power that makes it work. What are you going to do with one that has no power? It's not even a good boat anchor. What, what, what good is it? It's, what? it's designed to operate by power that it does not generate on its own. It's dependent upon power that's coming from the outside in to be its life. Right? You and I were created that way. And man in the garden said, I don't want it. I want to be God to myself. I want to be my own source. That was the problem. It was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I will decide for myself what's good. I will decide for myself what's bad. But I'm going to be in charge. I will be as God. And he divorced himself from the one who was his life. And the lights went out. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. The life went out. The light went out. Jesus is God become one of us to live the way he, as God, designed man to live. Dependent upon the Father in every moment of every day, in every situation, in every circumstance, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, that you live with this understanding that my whole being, we sang songs, you are my all in all, but do you believe that? He's my everything. Do you believe that? Because it's true. You live in that awareness Choosing to believe this is true. He is my source. And with him, nothing is impossible. Where does that leave me? Well, I can rest. I can live without fear. I mean, what's too big for God in you? The wind, the waves, 
the spray of the water in your face? What's too big for you? What's too big for God in you? What? A giant named Goliath? What? What's, what, what's too big? A pandemic? Man, I've been hearing for years, preacher, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid for the church. I, I'm afraid that some, we're going to lose the church. Wait a minute. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, I will build my church. He didn't say I might. He didn't say if I get around to it. As long as we don't have a pandemic or something like that, I'll do it. No. He said, I will build my church. And nothing can stop me. Not even the gates of hell can stop me. But if you read the text and understand what he's saying, he says, I'm going to build my church, but I will build my church through my church. Who is the church? A building? No. A program? Uh Uh-uh. An institution? All of that might go away, by the way. Buildings, programs, institution, I don't know. But the church will always be. And it will never, and I want you to hear me, it will never be in danger. Never be in danger. Not ever. Because the church is the dwelling place of the Almighty. It's where he lives. The church is the body of Christ. You know what that means? It means everything he does on this planet, he does through his body, the church. If you heard that, not yet this way. Everything he does, he does through the church. That'll help you understand what prayer is all about. It's, it's, it's us being what we were created to be, alive with his life, him living his life through us, doing what he wants to do, and he wants to build his church through his church. And that's how he does it. Remember in John chapter 15, Jesus, I'm the vine, you're the branch. Abide in me and you will bear fruit. Listen, bear fruit. Let me say it again. Bear fruit, not produce fruit. Christians don't produce fruit. You do, you do know there's a difference between bearing fruit and producing fruit? Big difference. What produces the fruit? The vine produces the fruit through the branch. And Jesus said, I'm that branch. You're that, excuse me. Jesus said, I'm that vine. You're that branch. And apart from me, you can't do anything. I got a good friend of mine. And he's asked me, I don't know how many times he says, what part of nothing do you not understand? Well, apparently, there are folks in the church who there's a lot about nothing they don't understand because they're always trying to do something for God. Faithful is he who calls you, who will also what? Who will also do it. Who called you? God. Who does it? He does. I've never seen grape branches strain to produce fruit. They just rest in the vine, and the vine through the branch produces fruit. It's called the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of the Christian. It's not what we do for Him. It's what He's doing in us and what He does through us. He's the life. He's the life in us that makes us alive. And it's Him, Him, Him that energizes us and makes us what we were created to be. Fruit bearers, not producers. Right? So who was Jesus that night? He's man walking on the water, dependent upon his father. I've asked the question, what could God the Father do through God the Son when God the Son walked the earth as if only a man? Think about that. What could God the Father do in and through God the Son when God the Son walked the earth as if only a man, having nothing going for him but that which every other man has going for him? What could he do? Well, he could heal the sick, make the blind to see, Raise the dead, 
He could speak to the wind and the waves and they would obey his voice. Well, he could, well, all that's true, but that's not the answer. Listen carefully. What could God the Father do through God the Son when God the Son walked the earth as if only a man? He could do anything he wanted because the Son was always available to his Father. And that's what God intends for all of us. And by the way, if God ever does any kind of work through any of us, it's not just his goodness going out from us into the world. It's his goodness at work in us. He always, it's not using us up. Remember the burning bush? It's burning. It's alive with this fire, but it's not consumed, right? God's not going to wear you out. He's just going to wonderfully, gloriously, miraculously produce through you that which you cannot produce. Jesus said, the works that I do, you shall do also. That is, you will do the impossible. Oh, I get to walk on water. No, what? Come on. Let's get more real. Let's get more practice. By the way, we never, we never read of Peter walking on the water ever again. He sees Jesus one night on the shore, remember, after the resurrection. And, and, and he sees him and he jumps out of the boat and swims. I'm thinking, why don't you walk? Well, because he wasn't called to walk. Faithful is he who calls you also do it. He's just operating in the realm of that which is a physical, visible realm. But he's learning. He's learning. And we ever learn. We're always learning to depend on him and trust him day by day and hear his voice and let him not only be the energy and the ability by which we operate, but be the wisdom, the thinking, the understanding that is his. He's my source in wisdom and understanding and everything. See that? Who was Jesus? Man. Trusting his father, dependent upon his father. Jesus said, I couldn't do this if it depended on me. It depends upon him who called me. Here I am. And these works you shall also do. What? Yeah. What impossible work has God called you to do? Because by the way, every one of you are under orders to do the impossible. Did y'all know that? I'm serious. I'm asking I'm asking, all of us are on, on, we're under orders by the Lord Jesus to do the impossible. You want me to give you one of those things? Just one thing? I just go right straight to the top. On the night before Jesus was crucified, he said, a new commandment I give you. This had never been heard before. New commandment that you love one another. And then he qualifies it, even as I have loved you. Now, if you think you can do that, you're fooling yourself. Because the Bible teaches the love by which he loved humankind is a love that is foreign to this world. You can't find it on this world except that it is the love that God himself is. So that the moment you got saved and the Bible says that you were given the gift of the Holy Spirit, God poured into your heart his love. What that means is that he who is love came to live in you and be the energy, the power of that love. You can't produce it. That's why the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love. It's not your fruit. Boy, I'm a loving machine. Well, not loving according to the love of God, the kind of love that God is, unless it's God himself that's doing it in you and through you. He's the one. That's why he gets all the credit. Does that make sense? Who was he? He was a man living dependent upon his father. And dependent upon his father, the father was given freedom and the free choice of Jesus to pour his life through him and make himself known. No one has seen God at any time. 
No one has seen God at any time, but the Son has revealed him. By letting the Father, by his choice, he chooses that the Father would live through him and express his life through him. Got it? Well, just quick, three things, I'm done. The title of the message, God's Blessing. Well, no, Blessing Unlimited. There it is. What is a blessing? Working definition is the sovereign work of holy God upon someone or something. So it's a supernaturally more than naturally possible. It's recorded. Get it. It's that's what it is. It's God doing something, supernatural something, that goes beyond anything that's humanly possible. That is a blessing. You hear me? Uh, see, I, I, I could do something that's fantastic and say, well, see, I, you know, we able to pull it off in a kind of independent way of thinking as if I was in charge of it and I, it's all about me and what I'm doing and I did this. But a blessing is when God does something that cannot be, cannot be explained except in terms of his work. He did it. Does that make sense? Now with that, hear me. Part of the package deal the day you got saved. The Bible says at that moment you were blessed and you will be blessed forevermore. So the next time you pray asking God to bless you, understand that you, by definition, are blessed. Let me explain. Chapter 1, verse 3, there the Bible says you have been blessed with what? Every spiritual blessing. In the place. That is to say, in that realm which is the supernatural, the invisible you, where you are joined together with Christ in your spirit, one with Him. That's the real you. You are blessed. Waiting to get it, you got it. I'll give you another verse. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. There the Bible says, by power, which is infinite, it can do the impossible. By His divine power, you and I have been given all, all not some, not most, but all pertains to life and godliness or to his likeness. What that means, right now at this moment where you sit, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what's happening to you, no matter what's happening around you, the pandemic, whatever it might be, shortness of funds, something wrong in the family, whatever it is, in this moment, you have everything you need to be what God's called you to be, to do what God's called you to do in this moment. You have been equipped with all that pertains to life and God-likeness in Christ Jesus, who is your strength. Paul said this, guys, I've learned how to live life to the fullest, whether I've got a lot of nothing, whether I'm walking the streets free or in prison, whether, whether they release me and let me walk or, or they hold me here until they cut my head off. I can live life without fear, without dread, without doubt, in fullness and completely content. You know how? Here's the secret. And it's an open secret, by the way. But I want you to hear it. I can do all things in Christ, who is my strength. Did you hear that? When I was a little boy, my mama would tell me, if you've got Jesus, you've got everything. And I thought, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the Sunday school answer. But what I'm preaching right now is that is the truth. Listen carefully. Jesus, God's gift to man, he is salvation. He doesn't just provide it. That's who he is. 
Jesus, God's gift to man, is the forgiveness of sin. Apart from his shed blood, there is no forgiveness. Jesus, God's gift to mankind, is righteousness and holiness. In him we've been made righteous and holy. It's him. And watch this. He is God's provision for your need. Did you hear what I just said? Who are we talking about? The one who is the infinite God-man. He's God. He's man. He's God become man. He is man who is God. And he is the provision that you need right now in this moment. You say, well, no way. I need a new car. Are you listening to me? He's the provision. Seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things that you worry about, you fear, that you live in doubt about, they'll be added to you. Why? Because he is not only, not only is he the, the blesser, he himself is the blessing to have him. Is to have everything. Everything. And Paul says, you know, I've said it in Sunday school, but now I hear it. And I know it's true. You can't stop me. Because I'm alive with the life of the one who's unstoppable. And I am blessed for time and for all of eternity. You can't, you can't shut me down. How are you going to threaten me? You're going to kill me? Oh, oh. You can't kill me. I'm going to end with this story. A preacher, y'all may have heard it because he came through years ago. And he said he was in the airport. And, he, you know, one of those deals where people all kind of crowd in to get in line. And he said he got in line. He was thinking it was, you know, but he, he unknowingly had cut in front of another man who apparently was kind of in a hurry. And he was huffy and hot and mad. And the guy said, oh, I'm sorry. And he really meant, I'm sorry. But he took that, you know, how people that were mad already and they think he was... He's all right. And the guy said, and a couple years later, once he said, you can just go to H-E double toothpicks. Okay, okay. That's what he told this guy. The, he, the, the guy told the preacher, you can just go to H-E double toothpicks. And, and, and the preacher said, I looked at him and I said, you see, that's just it. I can't. I can't. He said, now I was tempted in that moment to say, but now you sure might, but I can't. I can't. Are you listening to me? He that believes on me, says Jesus, will never die. So what are you afraid of? Why the worry and the doubt and the fear? All through the Bible, God says, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. Why? Because I'm God, that's why, and I love you, and I'm for you, and I've given all that I am. I've given you myself. I live in you, for crying out loud, and I live forever. And because I'm in you, you will live forever, and you cannot die. What? Would anybody just say, wow? Well, that settles a lot of issues right there. You will live forever because of him. So God's blessing is not limited by the size of the need, great need that day. What was really needed? God, he showed up. He was in Jesus. By the way, wherever you show up, God's there because he's in you. Right? What was the need that day? Someone to rescue Peter. God, he did. He was there in Jesus. God's blessings are not limited by the size of the need, not, not limited by the cause of the need. I guess Jesus could have said, hey, buddy, you got yourself into that. Get yourself out. I hear that kind of preaching a lot. You did it to yourself. Have to dig yourself out. No. And then one last thing, God's blessings are not limited by the resources available. Did you hear that? Did you hear that, church? 
God's blessing is not limited by the resources available. Because he is the resource and he's unlimited. And everybody said, amen. Now with heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want you to think. When Peter began to sink, in most of the pictures we see of that miracle, we see Peter's sinking. I want to see a picture of him when he's walking on the water because he did for a while. It was great. But we see him sinking time after time. But remember, Jesus said, little faith, why did you doubt? Doubt, D-O-U-B-T. Where did you get a B from? D-O-U-B-T, doubt? I would spell it D-O-W-T, doubt. The reason it's D-O-U-B-T is because it comes from another word, which is double. And that's what doubt is. It's seeing double. He was looking at Jesus, and somewhere along the way, recognizing Jesus as his source, he began to look at the waves. And when he looked at the waves, he began to think different thoughts. He began to anticipate what the waves would do. He began to doubt little faith. Listen carefully. It's not that he didn't have enough faith. It's that he was trying to believe in Jesus and believe in the threat of the waves. What is fear? Faith in the enemy. When you live in fear and you let fear drive you, you're bowing before the enemy that threatens you. And you say, I recognize you as the one that my life depends upon. And you scare me. Oh, come on, Christian. Come on. You have nothing to fear. You choose to set your mind on the one who is your God, your life, your source. And fear not. And all of God's people said, amen.